Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! Science! Yes. I know the human being and science can just peacefully. This was their finest. Hey guys, welcome to Petri Dish. I'm Nathan. I'm Sean. Sean, what's our subject today? We're going to be talking about something, Nathan, you've been coming at me hard about this I've been topic. coming hard. Yeah. For well, like months. <laughs> the at me part of coming hard is really important. <laughs> I've, been coming, I've, I've been coming at you okay. hard <laughs> for like months about this subject. Yeah, that's that's the good appropriate emphasis. Um, okay, we're going to be talking about kelp forests oh man okay so if you yes. guys listen to our afforestation episodes then you will have heard nathan express his disappointment in me that we didn't talk about kelp forests in those episodes it's finally here guys it is here are you kelp heads out there like me man so yeah it's happening oh it is happening for and three so, episodes <laughs> yeah whether you like toothpaste or you like munching on kombu you're going to learn some shit about kelp. Sea otters. Yeah, there's okay. a lot to talk about with kelp. Yeah, so this time we're talking about our natural, okay? We're going to be talking about what do kelp forests do in their natural situation. Yeah. And then we're going to have some episodes where we talk about what can kelp forests provide in terms of resources and what kinds of solutions for aquaculture, bioremediation there are. And then finally, we're going to wrap it up with purported health benefits, whether there's any science there. And some food shit. Yeah, okay. awesome. So all of that's coming. It's going to be real juicy. And so this time, natural kelp forests. What are they doing? Let's get into it. <laughs> all right <laughs> let's talk about kelp <laughs> yeah okay so for starters yeah what i want to say is not everyone is as intimately knowledgeable about kelp as you are nathan i do have a biblical knowledge of kelp yeah. you know what i mean yes I in do. a biblical sense I'm, I'm very aware i've seen you at the beach yeah, yeah i use uh <laughs> I, I use uh, biodegradable f- lights <laughs> Right, <laughs> which is a hand. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Well, because a hand biodegrades. I understand what a hand does. Don't okay, worry about okay, that. Okay, 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 guys. Okay, let's restart. Okay, guys. So let's talk kelp, baby. <laughs> so, um, Sean, kelp is just you know we've all seen like the documentaries of people diving through kelp forests and having <laughs> with octopi. Kelp are just like one species of big, broad-leafed, sexy underwater trees, right? So no, it's not one species. But also, I'm not entirely sure everyone has seen somebody deep diving into kelp forests and f***ing an octopus. Oh, some people need to get out on vacation. (laughs) Well, yeah, so I'm just saying, I do think that you and I actually have seen some stuff about kelp forests and have this kind of background knowledge. Right, we live in California, and California field kelp forests are fetishized the same way like redwoods are. Yeah, almost exactly in the same way. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, so, oh, like a camera slowly going through, oh, yeah. rays of light through the exactly, water. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Guy fucking and an so, octopus. Yeah. Well, 
Definitely. Yeah. Right? We all saw the Netflix documentary on My that. Octopus Teacher is what I'm referring to, guys. Yes. You should see it. It's crazy. Yes, yes. Uh, he doesn't actually have f- with the octopus. Just to be clear. He didn't put it so on. That- he edited it out. You know in his original cut that was in there? And Netflix just like, love it. Keyboard clacking. Uh, take out this scene. <laughs> and he has a passive aggressive back and forth. He's like, I think people really want to see that. And it's my vision. And they're like... Uh, <laughs> they're like we just uh, we can't get it past the ratings you yeah, know? yeah like you're Netflix you don't have C- ratings censorship too. yeah censorship censorship that's dude. rough man cancel um, culture but for people who don't know as much about that yeah. I do think we need to do some background that it's like pretty deep background that we've already known about for years yeah but for other people maybe you haven't encountered kelp all that much right okay maybe you live in Oklahoma oh yeah and you've never true. even heard of a kelp <laughs> what is that right okay so if you remember back to high school biology there was all these names for, like, big groupings of organisms. There's yeah. phylum, class, order, family, genus, species. And so, like, you know, you have a species, like, Homo sapiens sapiens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then the Homo part of that is our genus, right? right so you right. can have a bunch of other species Right, because the there used to be other ape-like crazy guys, you know? Yeah, there are other homos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Homo yeah. erectus. Yeah, that's true. Homo okay. erectus. Oh, it's got me. <laughs> yeah. okay, and then, <laughs> they did it on purpose. Yeah. They knew what they were doing. I'm not going to belabor that point. But <laughs> after that, you know, we're part of Primata, right? Yeah. All them other monkeys yeah. and shit. So as you keep going further out, right, you have these bigger and bigger groupings. Yeah. Okay. So then if you were to ask the question, how big of a grouping is kelp, right? Is kelp a single species? Is kelp like a tight-knit group of species, right. like a genus or something like kelp that? Kelp is one of those kind of annoying places where our classical ordering falls apart. Right, because we named kelp based off of what they do. Right. Not necessarily genetically how related they are. Right. But Because we've kind of resorted where the species are in the orders and phylums based on genetic sequencing in the last several decades, right? Right, yeah. Kelp, we used to think of as basically a plant. Yeah. But it's no longer categorized as a plant. It's just not a plant. Right. Yeah. So... It doesn't have cell walls. You don't need them. It's got cell walls. It's got cell walls, but they got other stuff going on. Ah, Uh, They don't have any, uh, like, organized tissues like xylem and phloem. Whatever. Anyway. Wait, one second, Shane. I got to take my pants off. Sorry. Do you have to take your pants off? Uh, Well, I just wanted the behind the scenes, you know? Oh, is this behind the scenes? (laughs) Because we're recording. (laughs) Sorry. I was was getting hot. I think this is as in front of the scenes as we get. Um, Stacey can confirm I am, in fact, taking my pants off. Everyone can confirm. I can see it, too. All right. All right. <laughs> All right, look. So there's an order. Okay, yeah. so phylum class, order, family, genus, species. There's an order called Laminariales. Cool. Laminariales. And it's part of a super group. There's a super group called SAR yeah. that also like Sargassum, which we talked about last right. time. That's in the SAR super group. A lot of protists and algae and shit are in that super group. Mm-hmm. Plants are not, so it's technically a completely different grouping of organism now. Okay, cool. But it's an order that defines kelp. So there's actually like 30 different genera within that. Right. And then, you know, 150 different species. Okay. So there's many different species of kelp out there, right? Right. For Californians, one of the ones that we're most familiar with is the giant kelp and those big forests of giant kelp. Yeah. But in different regions of the world, there's plenty of different kinds of kelp. The Japanese eat several different species of kelp. Yeah. Right. So it can be all over the place. And that's going to come a little bit more into play when we're talking about them next episode in terms of how we can use them for like farming and aquaculture and stuff like that but uh, i just want to like lay out the groundwork kelp is a very diverse group of algae okay. basically and they're uh, these kind of long brownish 
seaweedy looking kind of things. Yeah. And they grow in these big forests in the ocean. Yeah. In the relatively shallow parts of the ocean. Right. Because they're anchored to the ground. So you right. can't go like super deep out. You can't be like in the deep sea trench or something. Right. They're not going to go that far out. They're like yeah. pretty close to the coasts. And they're mostly in temperate waters. Yes. So yeah. temperate and boreal and like almost arctic waters typically okay so cooler waters right so like the pacific coast because of whatever weird current stuff the ocean's mysterious there's a lot of cold water there right so that's why they thrive over there right yeah although i mean you can find them on the atlantic coasts um for like europe and uh, right. the east coast of the united states also have kelp forests right but not quite the same as we see on the pacific coast yeah and so basically, they like generally like sort of cool waters, 40 to 50 degrees Fahrenheit. So not tropical waters. Yeah. Okay. Coral reefs live there. Right. Coral reefs gentrified the hot water. <laughs> yeah. Right. So so it, it is an interesting situation where if you're kind of sort of near the coast. Yeah. And you dive down and you're kind of checking out the seabed and everything like that kind of down there. In some areas, you'll find coral reefs. And then if you kept swimming north from the equator, at some point you'd stop seeing coral reefs and you'd start seeing kelp forests. It's a lot of swimming. And they, yeah, I mean, you'd be swimming even for James a while. Cameron couldn't swim that long. Was James Cameron a good swimmer? Uh, yeah, he's got to be Titanic, right? Oh, uh, he, he, he had to outswim the water. Who was I thinking of? David Cameron? Uh, the, uh, oh, prime the minister? prime minister? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, I was like, wait a second, is this a British well, Isles he went, joke? He went to Oxbridge. <laughs> All those guys are pretty good swimmers. You know, he probably, probably rode boats. You know, I would have done like a Michael Phelps or something like that. I would Even Michael Phelps would have had a hard time. Even Michael Phelps can't outswim James Cameron. All right, James Cameron is part fish. <laughs> I don't think that dude was swimming. That's one of the, his secrets. That <laughs> I think I he was in one of those little submergible little guys. Like, whoa, 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 that was propaganda. He was just swimming. I see. Yeah, I he's see. got gills. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Ah, it's like breeze on air. <laughs> a lot of weird statements about James Cameron in this episode. I didn't really see that coming. Um, okay, so in tropical waters, you see more coral reefs. Yeah. And then once you leave the tropics, you start seeing kelp forests, and they're kind of two completely separate biomes. They don't really overlap at all. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but why is that? It has to do with the nutrient levels, specifically right. of nitrogen nutrient levels in the Okay. Water. And so... A lot of the time, there's sort of a zone in the ocean where there's a lot of nitrogen kind of hanging out, like nitrates and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, zones of ocean nearby chemical runoff Well, and chicken farms. That's entirely possible. But even under natural circumstances, not influenced by humans, yeah. there's this sort of deeper sea area, not super deep, yeah. right? But deeper than coral reefs and deeper than uh, kelp likes to grow. Hmm. These deeper areas where you get this buildup of nitrogen. And then you have these underwater ocean currents right? that sometimes pull this cold water, because it's deep, this cold nitrogen-rich water, and pull it up right. a little bit, right? You could imagine finding Nemo, right? Currents, they're like... There was a, there was a current little, shit little, going little on. Little jets yeah. that, like, hipster turtles can get I remember into. that shit, yeah. Time, bro. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it looks exactly like that. So that it's pushes gotta, nitrogen like that. Yeah. into shallower waters. Right. But, specifically those cool currents have an easier time getting into other coolish waters yeah, right. and a harder time getting into the warm waters of the tropics. Okay. So the tropics just generally are nutrient deprived. Oh. They're lower nutrient levels in the tropics. And in those conditions, coral reefs actually establish a lot better. That's weird. Yeah. So nutrient poor conditions, kelp can't outcompete coral. 
Coral does a better job establishing. Mm, why does Coral not want nitrogen? Oh, th- it just doesn't need it as much. Like, um, kelp eats a shit ton. I mean, that's a lot like a plant, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I plants mean, need a lot of nitrogen, right? Yes. Right. Yes. And, I mean, I think that's part of the whole situation is that, in general, algae thrive in more nitrogen-rich areas. As Florida well knows. And <laughs> and coral does not really require that. Okay. Coral is not a photosynthetic organism. Right. Okay. Right? That makes a lot of sense. So right. you need it for photosynthesis. Yeah. I see. All right. So... You don't get a lot of nitrogen in the tropics. Right. And so we got coral reefs, but kelp cannot compete coral when you start to get into those kind of... Where you have more yeah. of the nitrogen going on in the cooler waters. Okay. okay. Well, that makes sense. And so uh, the other big factor for kelp forests is sunlight because of photosynthesis. Right. right? And so the thing is that there's this kind of balancing act because in colder waters, sunlight actually doesn't go as deep. Oh. Uh, like especially in the more temperate and boreal areas. So like you don't have as much depth to work with. Why is that? That has to do with a lot of the other stuff growing in the waters. Oh, okay. Uh, and then also I think maybe just a latitude some, thing. Some weird Oh, really? Okay. It's not some weird physics-y thing. Like it, the light quantum tunnels through colder water. That might be kind of a physics even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in any case, so basically light, the sort of lit area of the ocean is shallower yeah. in colder waters. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons, I mean, I don't know, do you've been to the tropics. Yes. That water's super clear. Yes. That's not bullshit. That's, that's like a legitimate bullshit. phenomenon. Tropical waters are clearer yeah. than the colder waters. Yeah. And so what that means is that kelp like the cooler waters, but... They need to be closer to shore mm. to be able to actually get that sunlight. Interesting. Okay. And so, you know, there's this kind of balancing thing. Basically, what scientists figured for a while was like, okay, so that means that if you have cold waters close to the shore, you're going to see kelp. If you have warm waters, you're not going to see kelp anymore. Right. But we got computers now, so we can challenge some of these prior assumptions. Right. So there's a group of scientists that were like, does it really need to be this big a dichotomy right do they really need to have this cutoff zone or like you know in the tropics light does penetrate deeper is there a balancing act in the tropics too right where like even though the tropics have fewer nutrients the light does go deeper can you find some kind of balanced zone where you're deep enough that you have nutrients because there are more nutrients deeper yeah but the sunlight still hits it so imagine NCIS, these guys, ka, 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 yeah. code, codes flying down the screen. Yeah, right? they do computer shit. This is where their scientists like Sean, because mm-hmm. they do their models. Yep. Okay, and it turns out, sure enough, there should be kelp forests in some of those regions. Right, and I mean, we're talking like 2007, right? Yeah. So this is back for- in Mac... Mac OS Windows no. 92. Right? Well, this, no, we're talking. Sense. Yeah, dude. Jack Dorsey wasn't even born yet. Right? This is like a long time <laughs> ago. Why are you doing this? That's yeah. what I'm saying. <laughs> Jack I'm saying that this was like surprisingly recent considering the fact that we've known about kelp forests for a very long for time. For a while. <laughs> um, and, and in fact, there are certain species of kelp that we first discovered in like the deep ocean areas. Right. We were just like, you know, on a boat or something. And they're like, oh, look, some random fucking kelp. And at the time, scientists were like, oh, that's probably like an isolated colony of kelp from like like 30 million years ago and like plate tectonics or some kind of shit. Like right. there are these explanations to try to explain away why they were finding some kelp in certain deep sea areas. When a person who's not 
a geologist says plate tectonics. I'm just waiting for the two sentences before lizard people. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. It's like, ah, well, the lizard people brought up the ancient algae. Sure, yes, yeah. yes. From definitely. between the plates. And so, these scientists, yeah. they put all the data into the computer, and the computer yeah. spat out some locations where you might expect to see Again, deep sea kelp forms. This is 2007, so it went... Exactly. Right, it kind of like pooped yeah. out the paper, and yeah. then it stopped working. And it turns out there was a moth in it. It had the shitty printer paper. It's like perforated on each side. Exactly. <laughs> and so the scientists were looking at these sheets of printed out paper. Yeah. And the thing is that unlike me, unlike you, right, yeah. because I, I work in a lab. Right. right sometimes right. I'm on the computer, but like when I'm doing lab stuff, it's just like with little petri dish things. It's right? amazing you keep such a beautiful figure with you being a lab rat and all. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Sometimes, so sometimes I have to squat down to put things into the incubator. Ooh. You know what I mean? Like a <laughs> hundred a day, you going. make sure. Yeah. Yeah. But these dudes are like marine biologists, right? Right. So they're like alpha chat. I don't know if you guys remember marine biologists, but they're all like, they're like the archaeologist, or not archaeologists. They're like the architects of the science world. Mm. You know, everyone wanted to have sex with an architect in yep. the 90s. Yep. Marine biologists are all like Chadley. Yeah. They're not. They're not as good at science as well, the scientists, so but, the, but they are sexy. They all stood up from the computer, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Already fully naked. Yeah, they're ripped. And then they walked <laughs> right. over, and then they like put on speedos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grab some scuba gear, and then they fucking went down into the water. Yeah. in these locations where they were hoping to find kelp, and, and lo and behold, they found deep sea kelp forests and so many pliant octopuses. They <laughs> <laughs> well, were so grateful to be found and yeah. seen for the first time there in their octopus And life. these divers, they only had their speedos on, so it was like, <laughs> they made quick work of it. Okay, so <laughs> the discovery of these deep sea kelp forests actually solved several mysteries. Okay? Right. Because there are cases where there are... <laughs> where did JFK Jr.'s plane go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and who really was in control of Lee Harvey Oswald? Yeah. It's all discovered there. <laughs> what happened to the HMS Majesty in the oh, Bermuda Triangle? Oh, yeah. 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 Okay, well, anyway. What are um, the mysteries? Well, so there are, like, species of kelp in South America and in North America. Like, let's say on the Atlantic coast. Okay? Yeah. Separated by tropical waters. Yeah. Right? But they're like the same species. Right. So we're like, what's going on? It turns out they actually just are connected. Right. So there are all these explanations for like, oh, well, at some point. Right. They like drifted across the tropics, but weren't like landing anywhere. Like there are all these like complex explanations for it. Occam's razor. Yeah. Literally, they're just connected by sort of like this chain of deep sea colonies. Right. And so these species, or the same species, they can interchange individuals and stuff like that across this chain. That's cool. And so these chains kind of exist all over the world. There's so many locations where you have these colonies of deep sea kelp hanging out. These little forests here and there. Mm. And they're like, in a certain sense, primordial. Because they're less impacted by a lot of the other things. We live near the coasts. So coastal kelp forests are much more impacted by our activities. Yeah. Deep sea kelp forests are much less so. Mm. So actually, in a certain sense, they're sort of like these refuges for kelp. Yeah. Because they don't change nearly as much. Yeah. Their they're like La Florian. Yeah. yeah. They're like, holy shit. Yeah, dude. Whoa. Yeah, dude. That was like surprisingly good. Oh my God. That's right. It's all these little kelp La Florians. That's dude. exactly what they're like. Uh, are they going to enjoy the water being like three degrees hotter and more acidic? No. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like it's just like Lothlorien. Hattier's got to go help out and die. Yeah, I mean they're probably not going to get impacted quite as quickly, That's but good. we'll also notice it less. 
That's true. That's <laughs> so, exciting. So they could all be dying. We wouldn't really know all that well because we're not we're not watching them the cultural close. genocide under our nose. So let's take a break. And when we get back, let's talk about what it's actually like living in a kelp forest. Okay, what's, what's it like as a biome? Yeah. Hey everyone, Sean here, and I just wanted to talk to you guys about our sponsor this week, which is BetterHelp.com, BetterH-E-L-P.com. They're a service, basically, that sets you up with a counselor or therapist, and you can get set up in less than 48 hours. It all happens online. Uh, so I think maybe this has come up in a couple of episodes, but I'm currently getting therapy, and I love it. I think it's really great. And I think there's a lot of people out there who, you know, maybe are going through life and don't even really realize that they could use a little bit of time each week to kind of work through things and contextualize their lives and feelings. And BetterHelp is a really great way that you can get that kind of resource, especially if you live in an area that doesn't have quite as much access to trained therapists. There's therapists that can help you with depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, but all kinds of other more specialized matters as well, like LGBT matters, family conflicts, and so on. And for a short period of time, BetterHelp is actually, because they're sponsoring our podcast, have a link set up, betterhelp.com slash listener, where you can get 10% off your first month of therapy for them. And so, you know, I think that it's a, it's a really important thing for people to kind of try to take care of their mental health, especially now during the pandemic. It's really kind of dragging on. I think everyone's feeling the weight of it. So if you are feeling that weight, I think it's a great time to go to betterhelp.com slash listener and give it a shot. So guys, the, the seaweed is always greener in somebody else's lake. Whoa. Right? Yeah, Damn. that's right. I know some songs, dude. Let's restart that. Why is there seaweed in lakes, though? Um, Am I misremembering the lyrics? No, even if those are right, what's he talking about? Are they saltwater lakes? Look, the guy who wrote those lyrics was dying of HIV AIDS, like, during the making of that. You gotta forgive him for a couple jumbled up lines, you know? That's true. It was in the Disney Plus documentary, Howard. Yeah. Very does... affecting, actually. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah. and, and his writing partner was like, I don't know if seaweed grows in lakes. And he's like, he's like, Wee. he's like, I'm dying. He like falls out of his chair. And the guy's like, you know, let's keep it. Let's keep it. Are we keeping this? Woohoo! Wee! All right. All right. All right. Okay. So, um, kelp, kelp forest, Sean. They're very productive. There's lots of things living there. It's kind of like, the inner city, you know, it's like Skid Row in the kelp forest. No. It's very diverse. Coral reefs are like Skid Row. <laughs> um, no, so I would say that uh, in some of the nature kind of ocean documentaries I've seen, right, coral reefs get a lot of credit as being like really vibrant communities where a lot of different species come together. Yeah, but that's just because they got lots of colors. Oh, kelp yeah. forests are also very productive. Yeah, they are some of the most productive in terms of the number of different species coming together, hanging out. They're highly enriched for biodiversity. Right. And part of that is because the kelp itself acts like something you can grow on pretty easily. Right. It's it's as if a tree, right? As yeah. if a rainforest or something. Yeah. So Just by virtue of having the kelp, things can grow on the kelp. Right. And plenty of things do grow on the kelp. Lots yeah. of different kinds of invertebrates like to live on the kelp. Right. Little hydra guys, which are kind of like tiny sea anemone type thing, yeah. grow on them. Little shelled stuff and, you know, like kind of small guys that uh, that make those little calcium carbonate shells like right. to grow on the kelp. Right, that we talked about with sargassum. Yeah. yeah, so there's a lot of things just living 
on the kelp itself. They also kind of buffet everything from the currents, right? Right, yeah. So, I mean, kind of like trees, actually, right? right? We were discussing how, you know, some people put up trees specifically to block winds. Yeah. Ocean currents are kind of like winds. And a lot of times when things lay eggs or have little larvae or something like that, those things can't fight against ocean currents. Right. So having kelp forests around to block the ocean currents actually means that, like, you can have those eggs get laid somewhere and they'll actually hatch where you laid them. Right. So they're this pretty incredible environment for a lot of things, especially in earlier stages of their life. And then once they grow up a little bit, sure, they can swim out into the open ocean. But kind of early on, you have a lot of, like, prawns and you have a lot of different kinds of fish and have their larvae right. there and everything like that. And now that. that we got all these larvae and little bitty critters, you can have the medium-sized critters to eat those little bitty critters. And sure. then you can get the bigger critters to eat them, right? If you yeah. made a whole food web, right? Yeah. There's a whole thing going on. You see sharks swimming around. Yeah. They're like, I want a little bit of that, right? Otters, octopuses, yeah. seals, There's humans, like Some, some gray whales. Yeah. Uh, gray whales occasionally hang out in kelp forests hiding from orcas. Hilarious. Yes. That's yeah. very fun. Yeah. Um, Fucking so, orca whales, dude, are uh, just sociopaths. Yes, they are. Hate orca whales. <laughs> Very dangerous. You gotta hunt them all. <laughs> Poke them out. Oh, damn. <laughs> gotta kill them, orca whales. <laughs> um, and so, the... <laughs> It's like one. It's like in the original version of Pokemon, there's like one bay where they kill all the orca whales with their Pokemon, and in the American sale, they're like, take it out. Yeah, <laughs> they're like Japanese people. You got to take it easy on the whales, okay? I've seen what you guys do. Well, if only it was just orca whales. Yeah, but no, they they do it to all kinds of stuff. I know, I know. In fact, a lot of times I feel like the most pacifist whales are the ones they take out. Yeah. Because they're slower. Because it's easy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Come here, little whale. <laughs> Come get some uni. <laughs> Weirdly, I'm glad you didn't do a Japanese impression there. <laughs> oh. I'm like surprised. Oh, no. Nah, I'm <laughs> um, so, also, you know, kelp will have all these fronds that are like the big billowy leaves and everything like that. Yes. Uh, going all the way up until the surface of the water, and up at that surface of the water, you can have like birds and shit just like hanging out. Yeah. And like sitting on top of that. Yeah. Biting some, you know, some dudes that come you up got, and grab some got, food. You got trawlers. With uh, with American men, you know, oh, yeah. catching stuff. In Santa Barbara, there's one lady who dives to get uni. Oh. So you got all sorts of stuff in the ecosystem. You got women from Santa Barbara. Yeah, uni, um, uni being sea urchin. Yeah. But not just any sea urchin. Yeah, it's got to be the right sea urchin. It has to be red sea urchin. Yeah, which is unfortunate. Because there's a lot of a different type of urchin that right. we're going to talk about. Yeah, we're going to get into that in a second. There's but... a whole fields of donkey shit urchin <laughs> that, you, that Japanese people don't want to eat. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. So we'll get into that. So uh, also, kelp forests will eventually at some point or another, you know, some parts of them will die or tear off. They'll wash ashore. There's entire ecosystems just built around kelp being dead on the shore. Right. You know what I mean? There's all kinds of bugs and shit that like to live on dead kelp. Yeah. And then all kinds of birds that come and eat those bugs. Like, basically... It's a circle of life. Yeah, oh, there's yeah, so yeah. much of it. Yeah. There's so much life going on. Yeah. Kelp forests also, just by virtue of being like tall-ass algae with big leaves and shit, they don't just change the water flow and everything, but they block a lot of light, right? They do yeah. photosynthesis. And uh, that changes what kinds of other things can live around. Because there's like plankton and stuff that needs a shitload of light. Yeah. And then there's plankton that's more adapted to low light conditions. Right. And so, in kelp forests, you get more of this plankton that's low-light plankton. That's interesting. It's different species and stuff like that hanging Damn. out. Damn. And so, it is really a full biome of, like, a bunch of different kinds of species spanning, like, the entire the entire tree of life. Yeah, dude. This life. is, like, in the heights. 
All right. Is this it's very like diverse? That? Yeah, dude. It's very diverse. <laughs> I guess that's that's diverse. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure. Okay. It's not enough Afro Caribbean well, <laughs> representation though in the kelp forests. There's kelp forests along Africa. That's what I'm saying, though, is when Lin-Manuel Miranda makes a musical account, uh, now there's no Afro-Caribbean representation. Miranda. Miranda. Come on, man. Miranda! <laughs> no, well, anyway, anyway. Um, so, in uh, a sense, very similar to, to terrestrial forests. Yes. There's the overstory and there's the understory. There's all the plants that kind of grow around the trees. Right? Yeah. Same thing. There's all these planktons and other algae that grow around kelp because the kelp is creating a certain kind of environment for them. Damn, dude. Kelp forest important. Yes. Let's take a break. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, so, guys, this is a short segment, but we have a long segment to go into about the great big old spiky assholes of the kelp forest. Yeah. Yeah. And how, like, this segment's not going to rehabilitate anyone's viewpoint of them, but I will say there's a little bit more nuance than, than I've even written to the notes. We got to talk about urchins. Yeah. So let's take a break. And next one, we're talking about urchins. The following is an actual advertisement. Hi, I'm Kate. I'm a scientist. And I'm Matt. I'm a science enthusiast. If you're a scientist, or just enthusiastic about science, we have a podcast for you. Our show is called Curiosity Killed the Rat. And we answer questions like, what does the appendix really do? Why does a boomerang come back to you? Hypnosis, pseudoscience, or legit? All this with a spoonful of banter to help the science go down. With a new episode dropping every second Saturday, you can check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or YouTube. Or find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the handle at CuriosityRat. All right, guys, you know urchins. Them little little kids, when you're trying to just go to Europe, you're trying to spend $500 a day, and these little urchins are like, please give me the food, yep. please give me the food. Yep. And you're like, die. <laughs> you, kick, we, you kick the urchins. We were both in the musical Oliver, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so we know true. all about urchins. <laughs> we know all about urchins. We were method actors. <laughs> we lived on the street for six months. We all know about Fagin's boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I uh, was Fagin's boy for six months. <laughs> so, uh, in our terrestrial world, it is a common story now that some kind of asshole species will spin out of control for one reason or another, but almost always because of people. Like Scots Irish people. Oh, wait. Right, right, right. Appalachia was pretty good, and then all of a sudden, Scots Irish people came in there and messed up the whole ecosystem. See, even though they're white, I feel like this is punching down. It is. It is. <laughs> I, I believe in white know. ethnicity. Uh, <laughs> Scots Irish is a white ethnicity, and those right. guys have it rough. All right. That's great. Um, but look, uh, <laughs> like, um, for example, in Yellowstone. Yeah. Right. Ah, uh, with uh, Kevin Costner. You know, it's actually the most popular drama right now. And like, no one I know has ever seen that. I, I mean, don't I understand what it. that is. What is, what are you saying? Oh, to me? that's like on Paramount plus it's, um, it's a drama about this really rich rancher and trying to hold on to his power. I heard it compared to succession, like hillbilly succession because oh. succession is like very critically acclaimed. Uh, Yellowstone is seen by a lot more people. It's mm. like real America, but no one who creates critical acclaim gives a fuck about Yellowstone. Does he keep killing wolves? Because that's uh, what I was And people. At. Oh. Uh, you know, one of the funny things I was reading about the review is like, it is not possible that people kill this many people on a ranch, right? Like, we get yeah. that it's in the middle of nowhere, but yeah. like. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, him killing people would impact Yellowstone a lot less. 
yeah. than him killing wolves. Because yeah. killing wolves was a thing that happened a lot because of ranchers and landowners around Yellowstone being right. like, hey, these wolves are like fucking with my cattle and stuff right. like that. And it turns out they're kind of a keystone species. Right. So you got rid of the wolves. You started seeing a lot more deer and things like that. Right. And those other herbivores that the wolves used to hunt would eat a lot of plants yeah. and they'd clear out a lot of uh, understory and brush. It changed the forest dynamics. It drove away beavers because they didn't have like woods to chop down anymore. You know? Right. So like it like really seriously fucked with the environment. And that kind of story and sort of the rippling effects is definitely happening to kelp forests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, but in this case it's not like I mean it's a little bit Humans have impacted this story, but it's actually not directly related to humans, right? Not as directly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, well, okay, it's a little complicated, but yeah. let's jump at it from the impact we can see most clearly. Yeah. Which is, there are these little purple fucks called purple sea urchins. Yeah. And they love to eat the shit out of kelp. They eat kelp. And, and they're not like an invasive species. They're just like a normal-ass urchin that eats kelp. That's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, a mystery pandemic... Maybe from Wuhan. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so this disease kind of swept through the oceans. They didn't target kelp and they didn't cover uh, target urchins. They targeted big old starfishes that ate the purple urchins. Right. So basically, this was a one-two punch in centuries in the making. Yeah. Okay. Sea urchins do naturally live in kelp forests. Usually down at the bottom of the kelp forests, in crevices in the rocks, okay? Because there are rocks in kelp forests that the kelp itself kind of, like, holds onto down at the bottom. Right. right? Sea urchins would hang out in these little crevices because there was plenty of predators out there. So sea urchins couldn't really wander out and have a good time. Yeah. So they're hiding, and mainly they would just clean up any big leaves, the fronds, that would fall down to the bottom. Okay. So they're sort of scavenging up leaves initially, right? But there's two main predators, specifically in Northern California, where we're seeing this like huge impact on kelp forests. Right. Two main predators, sea otters mm-hmm. and these sunflower sea stars. Right. Okay. Sea otters, the Ruskies have been hunting to near extinction. Right. Okay. They've been doing that since the 1700s. I was about to say centuries in the making. Right. But. Because uh, they're back now, right? uh, they're back to about a third of their population that they were in the 1700s. Okay. So, from 1700 to 1910, like, 90% of sea otters were killed. Right. So, there was, like, 10,000 sea otters left, maybe less. uh, I think maybe down to, maybe like, a few thousand or something like that. Okay. And there used to be 300,000 sea otters. Right. So... It's a lot less urchins getting eaten. Right. So, that was already happening. Yeah. And sea otters, we have been trying to get back. They're not to their full range, and they're not to their full population. Mm-hmm. It's taken a lot of work, a lot of conservation. There's still a lot of controversy or, like, back and forth on that, because they do get in the way of, like, fishing boats and stuff. Sea otters also are, like, they like to kill each other. Sure, I mean, they're, like, yeah. kind of naughty animals, actually. I don't think any animals are, like... Totally chill in a Rousseauian sense. Maybe maybe sloths. Three-toed sloths. Sloths are good, good, noble savages. (laughs) Are you allowed to say that? (laughs) I am. Okay. Uh, That's true. You have have a pretty wide latitude for saying that. I am also a noble savage. (laughs) So Um, so it's me just recognizing a brother. So we had kind of taken out one of the key predators. Right. Uh, And in Northern California, there was a point where there were almost no sea otters anywhere along Northern California. Yeah, right. 
Um, okay, so that's one punch. Right. But you gotta and have then, two punches for a one-two punch. Right. The second punch actually came way later, in right. 2013. Right. Okay? In 2013, like Nathan was saying. Wuhan. <laughs> a mysterious <laughs> disease <laughs> called sea star wasting syndrome Ugh. struck the sunflower sea star population, reducing it by 50 to 94%. Okay. Kind of like the huge impact that humans had on sea otters. Uh-oh. It's not clear what this syndrome is all about. To this day, it's mysterious. Right. It's not clear if it's a virus or even if it is a virus, whether or not it's a virus that impacts them across the board or right. if they're like kind of semi, you might say, immunocompromised because of environmental changes. Right. Or if it's psychosomatic, <laughs> you know? Sure. Yeah. Yes. Yes, for the sea stars. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, there's a malaise. <laughs> but it is just obliterating the shit out of them. Right. And so... You don't have the sea stars. You don't really have the sea otters as much. And so that means that these purple urchins... Are just out of control. They're just going to town. Are the starfish at all recovering? Or is this like still... Oh, you mean since 2013? Yeah. Not really. Mm, okay. No, not uh -oh. really. Well, I mean, we don't even know how to treat them or anything. Right, right. You just hope, I guess, that the last 6% like have Bounces an immunity. Back eventually? Well, has, you know, the reason they live is because they have an immunity naturally or something. It doesn't seem super likely because, again, uh, we're not entirely certain that it is just like straightforwardly an infectious disease. Well, bummer. Anyway, yeah. Um, so these urchins are out of control and they're just eating up kelp forest. Yes. And so freed from predation, their population is just blowing up. They like to eat on that kelp. And kind of one of the annoying things that they do is kelp, you know, grows in this kind of tall forested kind of position, right? Mm. They have like the thing that looks sort of like a stem. Yeah. And it's got their like kind of leaf looking like things coming off of it. And then at the very bottom, they have these things that look kind of like roots. The holdfast, which is yeah. holding onto the rock down there. Yeah. The sea urchins are on the rock. And instead of even like crawling up and eating a bunch of leaves They're or something. Lazy. They literally just eat the holdfast. Ah. And then the entire fucking... That entire long thing of kelp breaks off from the rock, floats away, and dies. Ah! What a pain in the ass! Lazy urchins! They don't even get everything out of it, right? Oh anyway. Oh my god. Yeah, what assholes. So the urchins are the worst. So, that's very annoying. And, basically, there are areas where once there was a kelp forest with hundreds of species hanging out, that now... There is nothing. Right. Desolate barrens right. called urchin barrens because wow. the only thing in those barrens, it is just empty seafloor, empty column of water. The only thing there are a bunch of purple urchins. Right. Stacks of them. Yeah. On the floor, not moving. Just sitting, waiting. Wow. Yes. Can we like invent a, like a bioweapon? Well. Just get some COVID? Gets genetically engineered to get the merchants COVID. See, this is a very good example of how you know scientists didn't do that because yeah. they refused to do it to urchins. So right, definitely, right. we're not doing it to people. Right, right. Um, because yeah, there, there's a lot of concerns. Like, oh, how will we know? You know, like, what if we need the urchins or something or other? Right, sure. So, urchins are also an important member of the ecosystem. They're just a little out of control, right? Because they're natural predators. It actually took a lot of work to even allow people to dive to purposefully try to like take purple urchins away to right. kill them right right because uh you know some people were like well one solution we could try is just like literally oh well but i guess maybe i should go back a tiny bit economically yeah this was a huge fucking disaster right okay even for people this was a huge disaster yeah ecologically obviously it's a disaster we get that but economically a lot of people like like our lives revolve kelp around kelp yeah. forests for their livelihood especially things like 
red urchin. Yeah. So, which, unlike the purple urchin, red urchin did not have a population explosion. And it's a delicacy. It is a delicacy. They're larger, and they have their gonads. <laughs> and the gonads are what you eat when you eat uni. Hardcore. Okay. Wow, eating testicles? The gonads. That's crazy, man. Okay. All right. So that's the good juice okay. from, from the urchins, and you need the red urchins for that. Right. People don't like to eat purple urchins. They don't taste so good. Yeah. And the red urchin population has died off. Right. You can't find them anymore because there's no kelp forests in that area anymore. Right. But also red abalone. Right. Red abalone was also a really popular thing to eat. Red abalone requires kelp forests to grow. Right. So these two pretty lucrative things that you could get at the time, now entire fisheries are just like wiped out. Right. So some people were like, okay, can we hire these people that were scuba divers or just like regular divers? They would dive into kelp forests and collect these things. This is the article I initially sent you, right? Maybe. I don't uh, remember. Which one did you send me? Dude, why don't you remember any of the things I talked to you about? I go, no, you're so naughty. I, so I, I, I sent it. you an article about this subject, about like a guy used to be a diver, like getting urchins, his career is over. So now he like does diving to get rid of urchins. Yeah, at the very least, this is the same topic. Because yeah, I can't yeah. remember if I've refound the article that you sent me or what. But anyway, point yeah. is, yes, agreed. Yes. But the, so there is an idea of like, let's hire a bunch of divers to go down and collect up purple urchins. Right. Then we fucking, you know, we let some scientists take some measurements or whatever. Yeah. And then we just fucking tear them to shreds and use them as like compost. Right. That took a long time to get approved in California. Right. Because there was a lot of scientists and environmentalists being like, hey, these are just living things doing their thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know if we need to go in there. And... Yeah, but they're wrong on this one, right? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so uh, I'll say I this I mean, much. it would be awkward if environmentalists successfully killed off all kelp forest. I mean, that would be an awkward end result, right? Okay. So, looking at certain sets of data, I would say that the scientists and environmentalists were wrong mm -hmm. before. Right. Until some more recent stuff happened, which I'll get to in a second. Oh! But before, twist. there were parts uh, off the coast of Japan mm -hmm. and off the coast of South America, and I think off the coast of South Africa, mm -hmm. that are now what seemed to be permanent urchin barrens. Wow. As in, it's been decades off the coast of Japan where these urchin barrens have never regenerated into kelp forests on their own. Yeah. And then there's some areas off the coast of South Africa that seem like they've been urchin barrens for centuries. Wow. And so it's like, okay, well, maybe the shit never fixes itself. You right. Know what I mean, like maybe once it flips over to urchin barrens, it's too stable in this shitty way yeah. that we cannot move back well okay. it probably fixes itself like in 2000 years maybe but that's not a timeline we like yeah well i will say also something i did not know about purple sea urchins is they oh. can just sit there right and wait right in almost like a zombie like state of stasis yeah for like a decade or more yeah. waiting for food so those purple sea urchins that have eaten up all the food in the area a lot of them are not dead yeah they're just waiting Wow, that's okay. creepy. It is creepy. Yeah. So, you know, so some people were like, okay, let's get some divers. Let's clear some of that out there. An interesting um, policy kind of thing, a policy aside, is that parts of like Monterey are protected waters. Mm -hmm. Because they're protected, it was actually harder to allow divers in there to get rid of the sea urchins. Interesting. So more kelp forest destruction happened in protected waters. Because oh. there was less allowed intervention for it. Awkward. Well, looks like our Texan uncles are right, man. You gotta <laughs> deregulate, dude. Well, yeah. Okay, so we'll get into that in a second. But yeah. also, oh, a twist. Um, one thing, I read a paper that was kind of interesting. 
uh, we have had some sea otter population come back, right? Right. And sea otters are a predator for sea urchins. Right. So it's like, okay, are they helping out or something? Are they trying? And and yes or no, right? They're helping yeah. kelp forests that are still here. Right. They are good kelp forest protectors. Right. But they are not good at clearing out the barrens. Right. Because okay? the barrens are donkey shit anyway. They don't want to go in the barrens. Right, yeah. right. And one of the reasons why they don't like it is because the sea urchins taste worse in the barrens. Right. Because they've just been sitting there, slowly eating up their own energy savings. Right. Right. Whereas the urchins that are in the kelp forest have been eating, you know, like kelp. leaves and stuff like that. Yeah. So otters really like to dive down in the kelp forest. But as soon as they get to the border of a barrens, they're like, that place is shitty. Like, yeah. fuck that. Yeah. So, you know, in that sense, it's great having otters around because they are defending the kelp forest as much as they can. But it doesn't seem like otters are going to help us clear out barrens. Right. Why can't we just get like a like a sea bulldozer like, just like push. There are some people talking about that kind of shit. Yeah. Okay. But one thing that's interesting that I only read about like near the tail end of writing these notes Mm -hmm. is that as an additional factor, besides the killing off those sea otters that we did and besides the mysterious disease. Yeah. There was also a big heat up of the Pacific Ocean. Right, sure. Called the blob. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that heat up of the ocean, the blob, weakened kelp a lot. Interesting. Because it robbed it of nutrients. It was warmer water. You got fewer of those juicy currents coming up, the juicy cold water currents. So the kelp forests were already in trouble. And it's kind of like, they were in trouble. There were too many sea urchins. And then a lot of them got wiped out. Okay? Right. Like last year, there was a huge cold current that came in. Oh. And several places that were barrens are now kelp forests again. Hey, that's good. Without us doing Because kelp grows pretty quick, right? Kelp grows very quickly. Yeah, which I think like bamboo. We'll talk about next time also is one of the reasons why people are kind of interested in terms of aquaculture. right? Okay. Um, so maybe we're just... Uh, impetuous or or anxious for no good reason huh well it's just it suggests that maybe barons are not as static as we thought right and are just really a response to all you know the integration of a lot of environmental inputs right right? well that makes sense yeah it does make sense it's just we, we thought they were very stable sometimes environments can switch into a state that has a positive feedback loop. Right, but it also could have a negative feedback loop. All okay. right, but anyway, so we have a positive feedback loop with the sea urchin barons. Right, but it seems like even that positive feedback loop can be overcome by environmental stuff. Right. So some people, I mean, that's nice news, right? I that's think that good. that's kind of hopeful. So why don't we just like get a trawler and just dump nitrogen <laughs> where there's barons? Um, a lot of times if you just dump in nitrogen kind of willy-nilly like that, you have an algal bloom. You have the wrong algae. Right, right. Yeah. You don't really have the kelp growing. Right? right, okay. But, you know, I mean, who, who knows if there's some kind of way that we can engineer around that. But I will say it's cool that we can see that environment regenerate like that. Right. Unfortunately, with global warming, it's unlikely that we're going to have... That many more cold yeah, currents like The that. cold currents are probably not going to be that much more frequent. Yeah. Or we're going to have a lot of extremities. We'll have... A hot period right. and then a cold period. And that kind of back and forth is probably not sustainable for biomes. Right. right? Biomes are like corporations. They like they like certainties, stabilities, right? Uh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, to a certain stock's extent. taking a hit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a, so is that doge. Yeah. So is that doge. I saw that doge. Um, <laughs> all right. Okay. So, you know, I would say kelp forests, 
still in trouble. Maybe not quite the trouble that we thought. Yeah. And actually the solution to that then becomes all the more complicated. Because it's not quite so much about just grabbing a bunch of purple sea urchins. It might be more of a systemic, global, climate change type thing. Jeez. And if we do want to preserve a lot of the biodiversity that we see on land and in the ocean, we're probably going to need to try to deal with this global warming thing. Ugh. Ugh. I know. Yeah. How'd it sneak in here? Ugh. I don't know about You have a anyway. liberal agenda. <laughs> All, All right. right. Well, guys, that was kelp part one, though. We talked about kelp all natural. Yep. Uh, now we're ready to go into kelp as aquaculture. Yeah. You know, human uses of kelp. Segwaying finally into episode three, we're talking about food. Yep, food. You know, I mean, I, hell, I've heard some things about kelp being, like, super nutritious for you. It's yeah. It's a super food. I have a friend who just eats liquidized kelp. Yeah, so let's find out. Is your friend dumb? No. Okay, well, anyway, we'll find that out, though. <laughs> yeah, no, your friend might be smart. Oh, shit. We don't know. Well, guys, thank you for joining us, then, for Kelp Part 1. Uh, my name's Nate. That's Sean. Wait. Uh, you know, thank <laughs> you, Stacy, our sound lord engineer. There we go. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Stacy, And thank you to Brian Allen for Artworks. Mm, thank you to, to, you know, Street Griff. Mm-hmm. All right. And Courtney. Courtney and Andy. Yeah. Wait, when's that happening? Weren't I, they supposed to? Isn't that due back? I'm so I need to. I'm supposed to call Street Griff like today or tomorrow and be like, "Hey, Street Griff, what's going on?" I got expectations. He did say it would be Friday, but also this oh releases God. later than that's this. That's true. That's true. That's true. Talking. But I will also say that you know what? He is a college student. Yeah. And they are notoriously unreliable. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so so you, you get what you pay for, I guess. That's that's really true. <laughs> that's <laughs> remarkably true. All right. Petri Dish Pod at gmail.com, at Dish Podcast on Twitter, and patreon.com slash Petri Dish if you want to give us a dollar or more per month for your own personal reasons. Mm-hmm. Whatever's going on in your life. Nice. Do it. <laughs> okay, guys. Have a good one. Ech benign science. See you next time. Mm-hmm.